0: Attention Attention fans, fans. this This is the Devil's State of Mind podcast Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey hockey Podcast podcast Network. Now, Now here's here's your your host, host, Neil Neil Villapiano. What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host. Neil Piano and welcome back to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. Hope you guys, as always, are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. Thank you, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out and listen to them. We always appreciate it 100%. This episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by the wonderful people at DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure when you sign up for DraftKings to use our promo code THPN. So ladies and gentlemen, I also hope that you had yourself a great Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I'm recording this pretty late uh, after watching Super Bowl 56 in which the Los Angeles Rams defeated the Cincinnati Bengals. So, congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams on winning Super Bowl 56. But we have a lot to talk about here on this edition of the Double State of My podcast. So, we're going to recap uh, the last two games the Devils have played against the St. Louis Blues and then Sunday afternoon's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're also going to be discussing some uh, rumors that we've been getting over the last couple of days involving at least definitely involving one Devils player and then some potential guys that maybe the Devils could look at that very well could be reasonable Um, options for maybe a younger NHL ready goaltender. So this is a, I'm not, you know, the Devils haven't been rumored for any, for either one of these guys, but they both came up in discussions that I thought that they would be good to talk about. We're also going to give you an update when it comes to Devils prospects, especially talking once again about the Utica Comets And we're also going to give you an update with at least one prospect and a lot of former Devils in what's going on in the men's ice hockey tournament at the 2022, um, not NHL, 2022 Winter Olympic Games in Beijing, China. So as always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So the first thing we're going to start with is recapping the Devils game on Thursday in which they took on the St. Louis Blues. The Devils were looking to try to finish their road trip on a high note, trying to go 2-1-0 and after winning uh, in pretty convincing fashion 7-1 of the Montreal Canadiens earlier in the week. This was the Blues' first game since the All-Star break and first game back since January 29th. They had a very long period where they weren't playing for no other reason other than because of the amount of postponed games and having to change up the schedule a bunch. They ended up getting a long period and the devils will be on a similar long period after Tuesday's games against Tampa in which they will be off for about eight to nine days. So that'll be interesting to see um, and go through once we get to that point after Tuesday's game against Tampa. But obviously the blues were coming in pretty well rested, but obviously going to be somewhat rusty. And it showed early on in this game as just two minutes, 12 seconds in PK Subban scored a, classic pk Subban goal a slap shot from the blue line that beat jordan bennington and in to give the devils a one nothing lead that was one of the best pk suban goals i've seen him score since he got to the devils a few years ago and like uh ken danico said on the broadcast that was vintage pk suban it was just a gorgeous gorgeous goal for him and most importantly it gave the devils the one nothing lead and they continued the devils did to play strong in that period. I really felt like because of the fact that they were, you know, had their legs under them and they've been playing games while the blues were sitting around since the 29th of January to play the devils, I think used that to their advantage and they continued to push And with about five minutes left in the period. Michael McLeod created a breakaway where he got the puck from center ice, just used his speed to get past the defenseman, got his stick lifted, which actually drew a penalty um, um, whiffed at the first shot, but got the puck right back because Bennington was expecting the puck to be shot right there. But he was caught out of position on the on the follow up try, and Michael McLeod knocked it in to give the Devils a two nothing lead. So at this point, you know, with it being late in the first period, you got to feel pretty good if you're the Devils. You're up to nothing. You're clearly outplaying the Blues, a team that is obviously had a much better season and has certainly been dominant when it comes to. Um, playing on home ice in St. Louis. And uh, again, you know, Subban, Michael McLeod, who just recently got back into the lineup. It's good to see that these guys are contributing um, to the offensive cause. Uh, but exactly 30 seconds later, uh, Clem Costin would score on a shot in the slot to cut the deficit in half. And that's where things stood up in the first period, it being two to one. And then in the second period, the second period has really, really been a, uh, a death knell to this Devils team, especially over the last, you know, two, three months. Um, the second period was all St. Louis, Braden Shen and Justin Falk with both score to give the Blues. Uh, they were both with about five minutes to go in the second period. Both of those goals gave the Blues a three to two lead after two. Um, so obviously for everything that went right in the first period, everything went wrong in the second. And uh, obviously I didn't feel all that confident that the Devils um, you know, could, could, make, uh, could make a really good push. I felt like that because of that situation and again having a, another lackluster second period that it was going to affect their play. In the third period. Well, it certainly affected their play, but it affected their play in a positive way. As the Devils would amp up the pressure in the third, I really, really felt like that was one of the best periods we've seen this team play of late. And then with nine-o oh, and just nine oh eight into the period, Nico Kiescher makes an absolutely beautiful cross-crease pass to Yegor Sharangovich, who was able to bank it home, past spinning 10 and tie the game up at three. And then about two and a half or a little bit more than two and a half minutes later, another 2 and one situation for the Devils. This time, Dawson Mercer with a great saucer pass over to Nico Heeshier, and Giescher is able to get it just past Bennington. Bennington made the original stop, but it sneaked past him and in, and the Devils were able to grab the lead back, this time making it 4-3, to three. and the Devils just didn't. Uh, didn't you know? let up from there. They just continued to push, continued to push because clearly they were looking to try to get a multiple goal lead. And they would do just that because with 229 to go in the game, Jimmy Vesey goes coast to coast, goes around on the right side and goes backhand top shelf over the glove of Jordan Bennington and in, and the Devils would make it five to three. One of the best looking goals we've seen this year, a great goal from Jimmy Vesey. It has been a while since he's gotten himself on the scoreboard, but he continues to be a very solid bottom six contributor. And uh, it's nice to see that he's found a, a really solid role with this team. And he gets himself one of the best goals he's probably scored in his career. It was a beautiful goal and it gave the Devils that two goal lead but it lasted only 46 seconds as Braden Shen would get his second of the game. And now it's five to four, you know, late in the game. And so you're kind of thinking, Oh no, are we about to blow, you know, a second two goal lead in this game and allow uh, St. Louis to tie it up? Well, that was not the case as the devils were able to lock it down defensively and ended up getting not one, but two, two ladies and gentlemen, two empty net goals in the last minute and a half on goals by Jesper Boquist, who continues to be very, very strong here in this stint since he got back into the line for the Devils. And Nico Heescher getting his second of the game would add the other one. And the Devils would come away with a big road victory, beating St. Louis seven to four. And what's here's a really crazy stat: the last three wins that the Devils have had: St. Louis, Montreal. And then way back in January, that game um, against Carolina at the Prudential Center, the Devils won each of those three games by seven or more goals, all of them seven to be exact. So it was kind of crazy how the Devils recently seemed to be the only way they're winning games is they're scoring Um a lot of goals and uh, I mean look if they're winning games like this seven to four at the end of the day it's not a big deal because we're winning games and that's the important thing and we want to see this team win and we want to see them score a lot like this It's, it's really really important and so for the Devils that's 14 goals in two games very very impressive two game stretch against Montreal who we expected to beat and we did and then beating St. Louis which we didn't expect to beat but Beat a good hockey team. And here's another crazy, crazy thing that the Devils were able to accomplish. That was the first win in St. Louis since December 30th of 2008, exactly 4,790 days since the last time the Devils won a game in St. Louis. So obviously that has been a very, very tough place for the Devils to get a win and this time, and this era of Devils hockey, they were able to finally get that monkey off their back and win a game in St. Louis, which is absolutely massive. It was at the time the longest streak that any team had, um, uh, basically with, um, how do you put this? It was the longest streak that any team had when it came to not winning a game um, in a certain place. I mean, it was the longest of any team. It was It was definitely uh, a long streak, but glad that the Devils were finally able to break that one and get a win in St. Louis. John Gillies, not only did he get a win against this former team, he also got his first NHL point as he actually got the secondary assist on the Jesper Boquist empty net goal. So a couple of, uh, you know, a streak, a couple of milestones were able to be broken. It was an overall really, really solid victory for the Devils. And you feel good after that road trip because you win two out of three, you, you knock off the seven game losing streak and you're scoring a bunch of goals. I mean, you can't help but feel pretty good. And again, like I mentioned to you guys, at the end of the day, A lot of us care at this point that this team wins. We don't care about draft position anymore. We don't care about trying to get the highest draft pick we can get. We want to see this team win. We want to see these guys progress. And it's important for this team as they continue to try to move into the right direction, to win games like this, to break these type of streaks and kind of go from there. And that's really what it is. And so it was a very, very important victory for this team. And you got to feel good after, especially after the game, both of these games against Montreal, and then St. Louis. Now, the next thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into the recap of the Devils game against Pittsburgh is that we actually got some practice updates. Uh, the Devils practice on Saturday, the day before their game against uh, the Penguins, and they got both good news, but also bad news. And uh, we've kind of gotten used to, um, we can't have anything nice when it comes to being a Devils fan. There's always something that go, that gets in the way of of All the goodness, you know, in a funny way, the good news was, is that Jack Hughes returned to practice getting off the COVID list. So he basically was asymptomatic. So he missed the last three games, but he would be practicing and did say that he would be playing the game against Pittsburgh. And Dougie Hamilton returned to practice and he was wearing the kit. He was wearing a a shield under his chin, you know, while wearing his regular helmet. Um, Dougie Hamilton spoke to the media after practice. Uh, he is getting closer and closer by the day to getting back and potentially playing. So there is a very good chance that we will see number seven back in the lineup at some point this season. And it looks like it's going to be sooner rather than later. Um, he also mentioned that, uh, he knew that things weren't right when he got hit with the puck and his teeth weren't in the right place and that he's had to go on a liquid diet for a long time because he couldn't eat anything solid. And it's been it's been a very big challenge for him. One of the bigger challenges he's had in his career. Um, but he's fortunate that he uh, that it wasn't anything super, super major and that he is able to get back in playing. And it's about getting used to the shield on his chin and kind of going from there. So it's good to see Dougie Hamilton at least practicing with the team. That's a, that's a major step in him getting back into the lineup. Now, the bad news that we got started with Jesper Bratt, and we knew that something was wrong when he only played about 12 minutes. Uh, the entire game didn't play most of the third. He was on the bench. I did see him shake, get shaken up a little bit and it looked like he was bothered by something. Um, didn't know if it was his arm or even some blows, he was just kind of sitting in a weird position. Uh, but the devils announced that they had put Jesper Brad on IR with an upper body injury and was listed as day to day. So, I mean, it's, it's a bad break for arguably our most consistent goal scorer this season and a guy who's just been having a career year and really, really getting, you know, getting his, his game going, especially getting into the prime of his career Um, We also got word that Yanni Koukanen, who had missed the last two games, um, he was put on IR with a wrist injury. So Yanni Koukanen, who's had a relatively disappointing season, I guess, to say the least, he's not playing at the same level that he played at when he first got here or even last year. Um, And that could be because of, you know, differing reasons, but he ends up being put on IR which kind of makes sense now as to why Mason Girtson has been in the lineup the last couple of games because they obviously didn't have uh didn't have somebody to uh to replace him with and they the Devils officially announced they put Yanni Kokonen on IR actually on Sunday prior to the game which allows Jack Hughes to come back into the lineup. So there is that. Um so we'll see when Yanni Kokonen comes back. Jesper Brett, we're hoping is not going to miss too many games cuz the Devils certainly need his help when it comes to goal scoring but uh yeah, it's just very frustrating that once again, after coming off two really good wins and getting some good news with guys coming back, we get dealt several more blows. And that's just kind of how not only this season, but the last several seasons have gone. And uh, you just kind of get used to it and you just move forward and, and hope that at some point this, this whole nonsense with this, this amount of adversity for a team that's towards the bottom of the NHL um, stops. On to the Devils game on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. This was going to be a 1-30 game. This game was actually originally scheduled for the 24th of, um, of February, but they moved it up to uh, to the 13th. You know, there's one of the several games that Devils had to get rescheduled. Um, one of the few that was scheduled for a later date, but moved up to an earlier date to kind of fill in a different role. I mean, there was, there was so much so many different games had to be um, moved around. And so that's part of the reason why we're going to have the, you know, a little bit more than a, I guess you would say a little bit more than a week, Uh, break after the game on Tuesday against uh, Tampa. But uh, this was the third matchup of the season for uh, against the Penguins. Both teams had won uh, a game in this series. Both teams were the road team. So the home team had yet to win a game in the season series this year. Sidney Crosby, obviously future Hall of Famer and captain of the Penguins, was coming into this game needing one more goal to reach 500 and uh, you know, being, the, being sometimes the pessimistic fan that I am, I fully expected that the devils were going to allow Crosby to get that 500th goal. Um, because I've seen that type of thing before. Interestingly enough, the last time someone scored a major milestone goal against us was back on in February of 2020, just like two weeks before you know COVID nineteen uh, became you know obviously what it became. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin scored his 700th goal against us, which is a major milestone. But the Devils actually ended up winning that game anyway. They beat the Capitals at home three to two. So I I was saying on Twitter and on Instagram, I said, you know, I wouldn't be against Crosby uh, scoring his 500 goal if it meant the Devils would win the game anyway. So, you know, that was kind of the thing. And I guess also as a hockey fan, I guess you would kind of think it would be kind of a cool thing for the Devils to be the team that uh, got, you know, Ovechkin to 700 goals and then got Crosby to 500, two of the best players of this generation of NHL players. But uh, that's just me speaking as an overall hockey fan and somewhat of a Devils fan. Um, The Devils were dealt another blow just moments before the game started as uh, the Devils announced that Andreas Janssen was removed from the lineup with a lower body injury. And that Marion Studenich, who has been on the taxi squad this whole time and has been healthy and just really hasn't been given a chance would actually replace him. Um, and we found out later on after the game that uh, Andreas Yance got hurt in warmups. I don't know. I wasn't at the game. I didn't see it. I don't know what the situation is. I believe the devil said that he's day to day. So again, the devils now have three players. So they, that are, that are hurt and off the team. So we get two back and then lose three more. That's just kind of how things go in Devil's World, but we picked things up in the first period and I would say this um, straight up, the Devils were outplayed throughout basically that entire period. Um, The Penguins came out with a mission. They had a lot of really, really good chances. Several times, they just completely missed the net on point-playing opportunities. Gillies had to make some saves. Uh, the Devils had to block some shots, but but really, there was just so many good opportunities for the Penguins. It really was a miracle that uh, they did not score. Crosby himself had at least three or four chances to score that 500th goal. I mean, it, it, you know, there was at least one time where he got the puck on a one-timer in the slot, and I thought for sure it was going to it was going to go in, but just a good blocker saved by Gillies denied Crosby scoring. Um, and obviously the devils didn't do a whole lot in that period, and uh actually you know, surprisingly enough, after one period, uh it was no score. So I felt pretty good, but obviously, with the way, as I mentioned before, the way the devils have played in second periods, I, I didn't feel great that uh you know it was no score um going into that second period, but The Devils actually, you know, 100% picked up their game in the second period. It started by killing off an early penalty, which this is going to sound crazy to a lot of you. Uh, I didn't realize this till I I was watching the game. The Devils currently, the time of this recording, have the eighth best penalty kill in the National Hockey League. And it's the second best in the NHL in the last 18 games. So that was a big problem that we had last year with the the special teams, um, that our penalty kill at times was historically bad. I mean, we saw it last year, it was historically bad. But this year it has done almost a complete 180 and it's one of the better penalty kills in the NHL. And like I mentioned before, second best in the NHL in the last 18 games, only less than uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. So obviously you got to give credit to Elaine Master for doing a good job uh, with his sort of position when it comes to being in charge of the penalty kill. Um, but yeah, the Devils killed off an early penalty and continued their success on the penalty kill. And then about six, seven minutes into the period, we had this incredible situation where P.K. Subban went coast to coast behind the net. He started behind the Devils net, went coast to coast, toe dragged past the fenceman, and was able to get a really good chance to tuck it in on Tristan Jari. But Jari made the save. There was a scramble in front of the net. Um, and Studenich looked like he apparently knocked the puck in, but the ref immediately waved it off and called incidental contact, which is good because that means that there was no penalty against the Devils but the goal did not count. Student each was obviously pissed off. And, you know, I understand it, especially with he's getting an opportunity to get into the lineup. Every time he comes in, he brings a lot of speed. He brings some physicality because he's so big and he's able to generate some offense. And I really, really like what student each brings a guy that I feel like could really, really be a solid bottom six player for us long-term with the the assets that he brings every single night. And uh, it would have been awesome seeing him score, um, but the ref waved it off. But uh, not very much after that, 7.02 into the period, Zaka gets it to Sharon Govic on the right side, right by the Devil's Bench, and he feeds it over to a wide open Jack Hughes on the left side, has all day. He takes a wrist shot that just gets under the arm of Tristan Jari and into the net. And the Devils grab themselves the one nothing lead. Jack Hughes, in his first game back from COVID and his first game back since the All Star break, gets himself on the board, picks up right where he left off. Pavel Zaka actually got a milestone because that was his 100th career assist. So, Pavel Zaka getting a major milestone. So, congratulations to him. But again, most importantly, the Devils grabbed the one nothing lead. Um, but it wouldn't last long. As Mike Matheson tied the game on a blast, almost, you know, just inside the blue line top shelf, um, with six forty-five to go in the period. So not really right after. I mean, the Devils had to leave for a decent amount of time, but eventually uh, Mike Matheson, who He has a history of having pretty good success against the devils. I think he has like five career goals against us, including the one he scored. So he's definitely seemed to play well when he plays the devils. Uh, But Mike Madison would score and tie the game up at one. And that's where things were at the end of two periods. So you go into the third and you realize that you were completely outplayed in the first, no score after one, you were able to get an early lead. You were able to get yourself a lead in the second period. You know, again, the, penguins would score and it was just a nice goal and jari there wasn't much he could really do to stop it but you're in a competitive game against a team in pittsburgh that has the opportunity with a win to move into first place in the metropolitan division a very very good team that is mostly at full strength i think almost 100 at full strength so you got to feel good going into the third and uh you know obviously the good feeling kind of went away just 36 seconds into the period as the Devils had just killed off another penalty, but then Brian Rust with an absolutely beautiful deflection. The shot was going low. He deflected it and redirected top shelf over the left shoulder of John Gillies and in, and the Penguins were able to get their first lead of the game. Brian Rust, I got to tell you guys, and I know some people say it, it might be a little bit ridiculous that he could be looking for 5 to $6 million on his next contract, the way he's been playing and maybe it has mostly to do with playing with guys like Crosby and potentially Ovechkin, um, Malkin as well. Um, I mean, he, he's definitely looking like a guy that could potentially earn that. I'm not saying the devils would be looking for a guy like that, but, uh, I think it's something to keep in mind, but uh, I'm not going to get too ahead of myself, but two and a half minutes later after the Brian Russ goal, Nico Hesher would tie the game up on a shot. Right by the boards on the right side, he just took a shot that hit off a skate, went through the legs of um, Jari, hit the post, came right back out and hit the back back skate of Jari and into the net. And the Devils tied the game up at 2 And with that goal, Nico Heischer now has a four-game goal streak and five goals in his last four games. So the captain has really, really picked up his game of late, has really stepped up with uh, some of our other goal scorers uh, absent from the lineup. But – there, then things really, really got intense between both teams. They, you know, there was a lot of really big moments where it was kind of back and forth. There was one point where John Gillies made several great saves on some scrambling fronts. front. There was a huge block by Nico Heischer. I mean, there were several opportunities in which the Penguins looked like they were going to score easily. But uh, Gillies and Nico Heischer uh, definitely stepped up and you got to give credit to John Gillies, who despite all these circumstances and, you know, obviously with him, not, obvi- you know, being the goalie of the future, he's been playing relatively strong of late and, uh, giving the Devils a chance to win. But that is unfortunately where all the good kind of went completely away as with six, as, uh, about seven minutes into the third period, Brian Boyle, who made his return to the Prudential Center, now playing for Pittsburgh, scored on a rebound as he just kind of turned around on the defenseman and just threw the puck at the net It beat Gillies far side and in, and the Penguins regained the lead at 3-2. to two. And although the Devils made a really, really good push at the end and had some really good chances, they eventually would give up an empty net goal to Jake Gensel, and the Devils would end up losing this one at home, by the score of four to two. So through three of the four games now of this season series against Pittsburgh, uh, the devils, oh excuse me, the home team has yet to win a game. Uh, the devils will return after their because again, they have the game against uh, Tampa. Then they go on like an eight or nine day break. And then their first game back from the eight or nine day break is in Pittsburgh against the penguins. So obviously we'll see if the devils can uh, finish the season series tied uh, at two and go the entire season series with the home team, not winning any of them, but with the loss, the Devils are now currently 17, 27 and five. So that's 14 games below 539 points. So you, you know, I think, This is going to sound like a really, really stupid goal to have, but it almost kind of feels like the devil's main goals at this point in the season is to one, obviously try to win as many games as possible, finish the year on a high note, not try to finish dead last in the Eastern conference, not try to finish dead last in the Metro kind of go from there. And I mean, I think the best that they can get is probably sixth or fifth, which I mean, if they finished at that point, I think a lot of us would feel pretty good. Although we obviously would rather this team be in the playoffs, but uh, you try to take as much good as you can get, especially with the way the season, um, the season is gone. Um, obviously what also sucks is that Brian Boyle gets the game winning goal. I mean, that, that, that happens a lot, you know, former devils making big contributions for other teams. We get kind of used to that. So that was obviously uh, frustrating. The good news was, is that Sidney Crosby did not get his 500 goal. He did actually get two assists. So he was definitely a, you know, involved in the play and it wasn't for lack of trying. He had four or five shots on goal, but uh, he'll have to wait another day to reach 500, which he will very, very soon. Do I still think he could get it against the Devils? Um, I think the Penguins have three or four games on t- uh, before they play the Devils in a couple of weeks. So I would be surprised if he didn't get to 500 by that point. But uh, if he's still at 499 by that point, I would say he's definitely getting it then. that now. It just, that would just be my opinion. But uh, there are two guys that I would say have really, really caught my eye of late. First one is Jesper Boquist. You know, Jesper Boquist, if you remember four or five years ago, was arguably our top prospect. Um, We had such high expectations for him. We were so excited to see what he can do. A lot of people said that he was a steal in his draft year. And, uh, you know, he always struggled to be a consistent NHL player, whether it was just, you know, struggling to find his footing getting used to NHL ice, whatever the case may be. But you look at this this last time that he got called up and got a chance to play in the NHL. He's come in with just a focus and a confidence in himself that I've never seen, and it is a pleasure to see. Since January 29th, uh, Jesper Monquist has four goals, two assists, six points, and that is in, in seven games. Very, very impressive almost a point per game. I mean, he's done a really, really good job of late and he had some good opportunities against Pittsburgh. He actually was on the second power play unit. So you can see the belief uh, and the confidence that the coaching staff has in Boquist and he continues to go out there and play really, really well. So that's obviously a good thing for a guy who's still super, super young, who already has more NHL experience than some of the other guys we have on the roster. So it's good to see that Boquist is starting to find somewhat of a role and take advantage of the opportunity that he has. And I still am a big believer in Boquist, and uh, I'm looking forward to him continuing to uh, generate success moving forward. And then we mentioned it before, but Nico Hescher really, really stepping up of late. Four-game goal streak he has going into the game against Tampa on Tuesday – five goals and an assist in the last five games uh, and fought for, excuse me, six points in his last four games really, really has stepped up a lot. And we need that from Nico who gets to, I believe now he has 13 goals. He's one behind Jesper Brad, who has 14 for the team lead. So I think it's important for Nico. He to be up there as one of the top goal scorers on this team. Cause we obviously want him to take that next step in his development, not only as a leader and a captain, but obviously on the ice as well. And, uh, you know, only being seven goals away from 20, I don't think that's a far, you know, reach for him. I think that he can get there. And I think that we could get at least three, maybe four guys to 20 goals this year. I really do. And I, and that would be a positive thing. You could, you would start to see things, uh, you start to see these guys developing more. Um, and I mentioned this several times but I will mention it again, the devil's next game will be against the Tampa Bay lightning at home. Um, on Tuesday. And then after that, they'll have an eight or nine day um, layoff. So obviously the Devils want to go into this break, um, trying to win three of their last, uh, what was it? Three of their last five games. And especially if they can win against another top team like Tampa, it kind of, it's good. And look, obviously I'm disappointed the Devils lost against Pittsburgh, but again, we're playing a, a good team. We're somewhat depleted. And you know, we competed and I think that it shows that the Devils are not as far away as we think that they are at times. But, you know, again, as you've heard from previous episodes, that it's it's always up and down. It's always up and down and we got to get to consistent uh, play. And uh, hopefully we can start to get there more as this season progresses and then moving forward. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between-the-legs 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800 GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpgorg chat. In New York, call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467 369. So now I wanna shift things over to the devil's rumor mail. So this is some of the things that uh, we've been hearing of late because again, we are getting closer and closer to the trade deadline. So this is where you're gonna start hearing the rumors more often. So I wouldn't be surprised over the next, couple of episodes, I start bringing up these things more and more. Um, And I will say this, I do believe the Devils will be somewhat active. And I don't think that they'll necessarily be trying to move people. Um, I'm sure that they will if they get a decent offer. Um, But if there's an opportunity to get a guy that could come in and impact our team, especially offensively right away, I think the Devils would definitely think about it. So the first uh, rumor that comes out is back on Friday, Elliot Friedman, Obviously, you guys know Elliott Freeman. Uh, he has his 32 Thoughts uh, podcast, also an article that he puts out. So he basically just writes something about every single team. He stated that a couple of teams throughout the NHL have expressed interest in Powell Zaka, which I know Zaka, in- including for myself, has been um, has been a, been a guy that's been ridiculed, uh, been memed a bunch of times. And uh, I, I take it from a lot of you guys, and I agree that the problem with Zaka is that he's still shows flashes of being a top six player, but he's just so inconsistent. He'll have a couple games where he's really, really kicking butt. And then he'll go seven, eight games where he really just doesn't do a whole lot of anything. And so it's very frustrating that it's been almost seven years now that he's been here. And uh, it, it just continues to not be there. And whether that's mo- whether that's on him or on the organization themselves or a combination of both, It may be time to move on from Pavel Zaka. I know some people might say, oh, but he's grown just like with Jesper Bright and Nico Heischer. I understand that. But at the end of the day, it's a business. And if we do get an offer that's going to benefit this team, the Devils are going to probably make that move. Um, Jeff Merrick then said on Saturday that the Vancouver Canucks are one of the teams that is interested in Zaka. So that's the only team we know for a fact that has interest in Zaka. Now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about the Devils were interested in Connor Garland and potentially um, also someone else that wasn't specifically named as well. We assume that it's probably Brock Besser, um, but that's uh, that's up for you guys to think. But it's kind of interesting to think about, well, now we know that the Devils have interest in Garland, the Vancouver Canucks have interest in Zaka, you kind of wonder if this is going to be the beginning of maybe a potential actual trade down the line. And again, I will probably say this, the chances of there being a deal of any kind prior to the deadline is somewhat slim. I think that Tom Fitzgerald will probably want to wait till we get to the deadline to really kind of get an idea as to who's out there, who's available, and uh, what can he do to better his team now and for the future as well. So when you look at Zaka, he has twelve goals, um, eleven assists for twenty-three points this season. So that's that's pretty good. It's it's up there as one of the you know top point getters on the team. He has 66 goals and 100 assists for 166 points in 361 career games. The interesting thing about him is that he's also a restricted free agent at season's end. Um, So the way that I look at it is like this. Um, And I talked about it also similarly with P.K. Subban. I don't think it would make sense for the Devils to to trade Zaka if they're just getting draft capital. And I say that only because, and I'm beating a dead horse here, that I think we're at the point where we are done with trying to constantly get draft capital and, and have all these draft picks and draft players and go from there because while, yes, there's always incredible talent. Um, Well, not maybe that's stretching a little bit. There's always talent in the NHL draft. It's not always, we're going to get lucky and get a guy that's going to come in right away and make a major impact. You know, are we getting Shane Wright next season, uh, this, this draft year? Probably not. Do we deserve to get him? No, because there are teams, Montreal and Arizona, that need him way more than the Devils do, although the Devils will take him if that's ended up being the case. But I feel that the Devils focus, and I'm speaking as a fan, okay? I'm speaking as a fan, not as somebody that, you know, that knows exactly what's going on in the market and everything like that. But I'm speaking as a fan and saying the Devils need to start making moves to get guys to come in and play right away, you know, getting NHL regular players. Do I think Zaka could get us a regular, uh, an NHL-ready player who, who can make a major contribution? No, I don't. I think that the best thing that the Devils could do is get some sort of draft compensation. So in that case, I would probably say, No, I wouldn't necessarily be that much for trading Zaka because also if you keep him and he's an RFA, I mean, you know that whoever, if somebody decides to make an offer for him in the free agent market and the devils don't accept, they're going to get some form of draft compensation anyway for him. The other thing is this, you really are not going to have to pay him a whole hell of a lot. I would say between two and a half to 3 million, because you got to be realistic with who he is as a player, what he's been able to do of late and go from there. And, uh, you know, there's obviously going to be somewhat, you know, free agents out there, potential trade uh, candidates, you know, in the off season and things like that. Um, so there's that, but um, I, I don't, I, I don't think the devils would make a move for Zaka to get draft compensation just to make a move. Would I be surprised if they did that a little bit, but not terribly because I've gotten used to the Devils doing that, but you know, we'll see, but that was something specifically about the Devils that I wanted to share with you guys. So let me know what you guys think. Do you guys think that we should trade Zaka? Should we not? You know, what, what do you guys think? Um, the next rumor also came from Elliot Freeman. He said that the Columbus Blue Jackets asking price for goalie Jonas Corposalo is a second and third round pick, which to me is, is sitting there saying that's honestly not a bad deal. It's second and third round picks, which I think the Devils I, would be more or less okay with giving up. Um, you know, you look at Corposalo this year, six and eight, 3.82 goals against average and a 0.887 save percentage, not Phenomenal. Not great numbers. He's currently 75-64-21 with a 2.99 goals against average and a 0.903 save percentage in his career. He is an unrestricted free agent at season's end after after he finishes up a two-year, $5.6 million deal he signed prior to last year with Columbus. And if you remember, he had that big 80-plus save uh, game in the bubble against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's the big thing that we know about him. We also know that Corpusala was uh, subject to trade rumors even at the beginning of the year and in the offseason and things like that. So, and it does sound like that the Blue Jackets are not going to be able to keep him, or maybe they don't want to keep him. Um, so maybe they're hoping that some team picks him up and they get something for him uh, instead of losing him for nothing. Um, I look at it this way. Corpusala would definitely be a guy that could be more of a, that would certainly be a younger 1B to Mackenzie Blackwood or even a 1A if Blackwood is is um, is not available for whatever reason or, or is not the guy. Um, but I also don't think he's somebody that you're going to have to pay a whole lot for. Um how would devil's fans react? I think devil's fans would at least feel like that. Maybe we got a chance to get somebody in here that we need now, because again, Akira Schmid, um, Nico Dawes, Merrick's mittens, um, all, and some of the other young guys that we have in our whole system, when it comes to goalies are just not ready yet. And we're a team that needs to start winning now, especially with the pieces that we have, and we need to start finding that consistent goal and yes, We still have Blackwood, but we have to remember he is potentially looking at a second or third option for what he's going to do with his heel. We have literally no idea what is going on. We have none. We don't know how long it's going to be that he might be out for the rest of the year. We don't know what his situation is going to be in the off season and go from there. And then you look at Jonathan Bernier. Jonathan Bernier is in his mid thirties and his body is probably starting to decline and do you really want to hope against hope that he can stay healthy next season with the injury that he suffered? I don't think that that's something that you could really feel confident about. So I do think that Tom Fitzgerald would be wise to start looking at options like Corpusalo and thinking about from the now term as to getting somebody that can come in here with NHL experience and still relatively young and do something. I mean, you look at it; Corpusalo has played well over hundred games in the NHL and still, re- still very, very young. So it is possible. And you really wouldn't probably have to pay a whole lot um, in his next contract to to have him here if you do end up acquiring him. I mean, granted, you could also wait till the off season and then try to make a move for him then without giving up anything. So maybe the Devils won't do that, but that is an option. So yeah, I, I, that was definitely something that caught my eye that was only second and third. And I said, it's not really that bad of a, bad of a, a bunch of assets to give up. That's not a big asking price. Now, another reporter, Sammy Silver, reported on Sunday that the Washington Capitals uh, goalie Vita Vanecek is actually available in a trade. Um, also, I think their first-round draft pick as well. Um, so again, this is definitely sounding like the Capitals are trying to find people that can help them win now. Um, who the Devils would have to give up you know, to help a team to win now? I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe Andreas Johnson, maybe Pavel Zaka, maybe even PK Subban, if the deal is right. But I look at Vitev Vanacek and I say, hmm, Vanacek actually hasn't had that bad of a year. He's 10, 6, and 5, 2.39 goals against average and a 0.915 save percentage. And his career totals are 31, 16, and 9 with a 2.58 goals against average and a 0.910 save percentage in his career. And... If you remember, he was actually picked up in the expansion draft and then reacquired by Washington in a trade after the expansion draft. And uh, I know that goaltending has been a big issue for the Capitals, even though they've been winning uh, both Samsonov or Samsonov and Venechek, Neither one of them has been consistent enough to take over that number one spot. I know Zachary Fucali has played a bunch as well. And I also heard the rumors about uh, the Capitals are very much interested in Marc-Andre Fleury, even though Fleury's... Uh, block the deal several times because he doesn't want to go to Washington, which I guess from Pittsburgh's perspective, they must feel great about that. But if the if the Capitals are seriously looking to move Vanacek, who will be an unrestricted free agent at season's end, and I'm sure will be looking for somewhat of a pay raise, um, the Devils could be a team that could bring him in. Now, again, I would say with both Corpusala and Vanacek. If you get either one of them, you have to hope that you have a very good chance of signing them to a deal afterwards, because I really wouldn't would, especially with the team not really going anywhere this year and things like that. Um, I mean, obviously it'd be nice to see a new goaltender in there and things like that. Um, I would prefer to get somebody like this and get them on a, you know, a deal after this year. And again, with both of these guys, you can wait till the off season And go from there. Do I think Washington brings back Vita Vanacek? Vitek Vanacek? I think if uh, he continues to be the stronger of the two goaltenders right now, I think that there's a good chance, even though I think that uh, Washington is higher on Samsonov than Vanacek. But that's just my opinion on the whole situation. Um, He signed a three-year $2.15 million deal back in 1920, 1920 season. So, um... So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he's another interesting guy for that 1B, 1A, NHL ready now goaltender. He hasn't played as many games as Corpusano has played, but he still has played a decent amount young and can definitely be somewhat of an upgrade uh, to what the Devils have had of late. Um, Obviously, you got to continue to improve the defense and get more goal scoring, but especially with goaltending continuously being an inconsistent big problem with this team, getting a guy like Korpisar or Vanacek would be, uh, would be possible. So no, the devils are not rumored to go after either one of these guys, but because they were made available and because of what the devils need, they were, they were players that I just wanted to talk about and bring up as a possibility. So again, with all of this guys, let me know what you think, you know, what the Devils should do. Should they even consider either one of these guys and kind of go from there. And the last thing that I wanted to uh, discuss with you guys is give you guys a prospect/ slash Olympic update because again, we got some prospects that are really really doing well right now and we got some guys who are former devils, but also we do have at least one prospect that are also competing at the Olympic Games. So there's a lot of devils going around, not just in the NHL. We'll start We'll start with once again talking about Alexander Holtz, and the Utica Comments. Alexander Holtz is red hot right now. He can't stop scoring. He scored the only goal in the two-to-one loss recently for Utica back on Saturday against the Cleveland Monsters. He now has 16 goals, 16 assists for 32 points in just 27 games this season for the Commons. You can see that his competence is at is skyrocketing. It's at an all-time high. And a lot of us agree that agree that. Honestly, the best thing for Alexander Holtz is to let him play the rest of the season in Utica because you look at the two times he's been up here, you know, he's, he's struggled to find his footing. And I feel like the devils are putting him in a position where he can't succeed and you have to bring him up slowly and allow him to develop naturally. And he's doing that well down in Utica and you got to give credit to Kevin Deneen, as we've given a lot of credit to over time. Um, And you just got to let him continue to play because if he finishes with a great year and maybe Utica makes a run and maybe even they win the Calder Cup, um, that would give him so much confidence going into next training camp, knowing that he's had a full year of playing in North America on North American ice. He's had a cup of coffee here and there playing in the NHL. He knows what he needs to work on. He knows what he needs to improve on. And then he comes in an even more confident player in his next year trying to make the team. And we would like to see him have that confidence and that impact that Dawson Mercer had when he came into the NHL this year. So I really love what Alexander Holtz is doing. And I love how the Utica comments are playing. They are currently 28, eight and five. They continue to be unbelievably good. And again, a lot of credit has to go to Kevin Dineen you know, creating that culture, creating that style of hockey that is just phenomenal. And Kevin Denin is going to be somewhat of a topic of discussion in a in a uh in an episode coming up, in an up and coming episode, because I definitely want to start talking about um future coaches, because from what I'm hearing, there is a pretty good chance that Lindy Ruff doesn't make it after this year because. The Devils are not that much closer to where they were when he when Lindy Ruff took over, and Kevin Dineen, I think, is definitely somebody the Devils should consider when it comes to their next head coach, but that is a discussion for another day. Now, continuing on with the prospects, Luke Hughes, we haven't talked about him a whole lot here, but... I have to talk about him right now because he currently has 13 goals in 30 games this season at the University of Michigan as a freshman. He leads the NCAA in goals by a defenseman and no freshman defenseman has scored more than 13 goals in a season in the past 11 years. So that streak or that, you know, that streak looks like it's going to come to an end unless Luke Hughes hits a really bad you know scoring snag in the next uh seven to ten games which i don't think is going to happen especially with some of his teammates being over in the olympics he's getting a lot more ice time getting a lot more opportunities and it's really really good for his development no defenseman has scored more than 17 goals in a season so you're looking at it like luke hughes only needs five more goals to uh have the most goals in in an NCAA season in history by a defenseman, which would be phenomenal. Uh, He has between seven to 13 games left this year, um, also with the, the national tournament. So we'll see how that goes. He currently has 13 goals, like I mentioned before, 16 assists for 29 points in. 30 games. So nearly a point per game, which is absolutely impressive. And, uh, I, I'm really loving the development of Luke Hughes, a guy that we really hope is going to be as advertised once he gets up to the NHL. Do I think he'll get a shot to maybe, uh, come into the league next year? Yep. Do I think that there's also a chance he goes back to Michigan in his sophomore season? Yep. So it all depends on how they see the development going and, uh, what they feel, uh, what type of impact could the could Luke Hughes make now and what he could make in the future. So that's kind of the update when it comes to prospects for the most part, because the other part, like I mentioned before, is talking about the Olympics, because obviously, again, no NHL players, but the Devils are relatively um, represented well at the Olympics. We'll start with the United States. Kenny Agostino has a goal in three games in the preliminary round. He scored a goal in the 4-2 win for Team USA against Canada. Brian O'Neill, who played for the Devils for a little bit back in 15-16, has a goal and an assist in the preliminary round. And defenseman David Worsowski finished the preliminary, na- pre- preliminary round as a defenseman with a plus-minus of minus two in those three games. United States, after winning against Germany on Sunday, go into the quarterfinals of the Olympic Games. With a 3-0-0 record, they go undefeated, and they get that by of the preliminary round. So David Quinn, who I'm sure is going to be looking to try to get another opportunity in the NHL, is doing well so far in the Olympics, and we'll see how far USA can really go. Now, as far as Tyler Witherspoon, um, who is right now with the Utica Comets, he got a professional trial with the Devils, didn't make the team, eventually signed a contract with Utica, um, has a plus-minus of plus-two after the three games uh, in the preliminary round. Canada is 2-1-1 one, and one after the preliminary round. So that's what Wuderspoon has done. And then the Devils are heavily represented by the Russian Olympic Committee or Russian Olympic athletes. Uh, Nikita Gusev, uh, the goose, three assists and a plus-minus, of plus plus-one in the three games. Uh, Arseny Grzyk, the other prospect that we've talked about a bunch on here, who's also playing with... Uh, with team Russia has a goal and a plus minus of plus three and his goal was set up by Nikita Gusev. And we shared that on social media. So it was was kind of a cool thing to see um, a former devil connecting with what we hope to be a future devil um, and doing, you know, some good things there. And then Yegor Yakovlev who we've come to know uh, from a couple of years ago has a plus minus of plus four. In three games, so he's uh, he's done very, very well. And uh, ROC finishes the preliminary round getting uh, five of a possible six points. They finish 2 0 oh, and 1. So the uh, single elimination round will begin, uh, I think, tomorrow, I think Monday or Tuesday. And we'll go from there and we'll see what these former devils and future devils um, can do moving forward here in the Olympic Winter Games.